the, the first question, this wasn't on the page, but what are the three areas that we hope as a church, that we hope that we're going to move into? Community, can you say it with me? Community, study, service. And Todd, that wasn't even, uh, that wasn't even three, uh, 30 seconds, you know, but they've got it. Good going. Now, back to the quiz that I was talking about. Um, uh, there are going to be five questions, and they're all biblical questions, and to see which group does the best here. First one, what kind of man, you've got to know the Bible a little bit here, what kind of man was Boaz before he got married? Anyone? Bo- what? Single? That's a great answer. It's not the right answer, but it's a good answer. Uh, they've, they've given up. We're going to give up on them. Anyone over here? What kind of man was Boaz before he was married? What? Rich? Oh, I'm not touching that one. He was ruthless. Boaz married Ruth. Okay. Well, I, I thought it would be pretty evident. Okay. Second question. This is, this is one for you bankers and, 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 and finance people. You're going to get this one right away. Who was the greatest financier in the Bible? Anyone on this side want to try to guess here? The greatest financier in the Bible. They're stumped over here, certainly over this side. I, oh, well, okay, I'm going to tell you then. It was Noah. He was floating his stock while everyone else was in liquidation. It's right there in the Bible. Okay, third question. So far, we got zip and zip. Okay. Who was the greatest female financier in the Bible? Over here, anyone? Greatest female? Someone I just want to venture a guess. What? Mary? Uh, No, but that's a good guess. And since there are lots of Marys, you know. uh, (laughs) Okay, how about over here? Okay, Uh, it's going to be another zip-zip here. Uh, It's evident it was Pharaoh's daughter. She went down to the bank of the Nile and drew out a little profit. I mean, it's right there in the Bible. I mean, I I think this study piece we're going to have to work on, you know, I I really think that. Okay, number four, I I, I hope that this one, uh, this one I'm sure you're going to get. This is easy one. What excuse did Adam give to his children as to why they no longer lived in Eden? Over here, anyone? Why they no longer lived in Eden? Your mother is... That's, that's the first start of it. That's, that's half of the question. That's a half the answer, rather. Let's see if what, your mother what? It's your mother's fault. Your mother ate us out of house and home. I, I'll give you a half on that one. That was a good one. Good one. Okay, final one. This is very, very easy. Who is the greatest babysitter mentioned in the Bible? Over here, anyone? greatest babysitter mentioned in the Bible. Oh, we're going to have to work on this study. How about over here? What? What did you say? (laughs) I know it's a half-baked answer from you, buddy. Okay. um, It was David. David, of course. He rocked Goliath into a deep sleep. These aren't original, by the way. Um, 
There's probably not a better story or a better known story in all the Bible than the David and Goliath story. I mean, we learn that from the time we're kids, and yet it's loved by people of all ages. How often have you heard it used, even in uh, the secular world, where if it could be uh, a political campaign or it could be a sports event, and they say, well, since that person uh, is an underdog and he wins against all odds, it's like a David and Goliath story. Well, today we're going to continue this series of messages which Scott began last week after God's own heart. And in that, we're going to be looking at the life of David. And as we look at the story today, we're going to be looking at David and Goliath. Now, since chapter 17 is really long, I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm going to kind of set it up for you before we read about the actual confrontation between David and Goliath. Now, the battle lines have been drawn. We're in the Valley of Elah, and on both sides, uh, uh, on the hillsides, there are the Philistines and the Israelites. The Philistines have this great big monster of a man named Goliath, and he comes out and he taunts them and strikes fear into the hearts of everyone in Israel. Now, Jesse's three oldest sons, and Jesse's the father of David, three oldest sons are in King Saul's army. David is traveling back and forth. He's a musician, and so he goes back and forth, and he's playing for Saul, who's very upset and needs to be quieted, and then he goes back and takes care of his, uh, uh, his father's sheep. So Jesse, his father, asked him to take provisions, some cheese and probably bread and other stuff, to his three brothers and also their commander. David arrives just as Goliath, as he does every day, bellows out the taunt, the trash talk to Israel. He's been doing it for 40 days. The naive shepherd boy says, well, how come none of you are taking this guy on? What's wrong anyway? And I'm sure he must have looked at King Saul at that point. You know, he's a head and shoulders above everyone else. He's got the armor and everything. He should be taking him on. And David believes that the Lord can give him victory no matter what. I mean, he's taken on a lion. He's taken on a bear. When he's taking care of his father's sheep, he believes the Lord will give him the victory. Saul, after David pleads with him, finally acquiesces and says, David, you can take him on. Here, let me give you my armor. Can you imagine? David, uh, probably a 14, 15-year-old boy, With his armor on, he can hardly move. He gives him his helmet. He gives him his sword. And it's amusing. It's not going to work. So David takes it all off. And instead, he takes his shepherd's staff. And then he stops in the brook at the floor of the valley and selects five smooth stones, which he puts in his shepherd's bag or pouch. In one hand, he's got his staff. and the other hand, he's got his sling. And that's where we pick up the story in verse 41. So we're looking at... 1 Samuel, chapter 17, beginning with verse 41. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Meanwhile, the Philistine, who is Goliath, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. 
Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack, David ran quickly toward the battle to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. May God add his blessing, understanding, maybe some new thoughts, and some application upon the reading of his word today. Please join me if you would in prayer. God, I pray that you would now take this story, which is familiar and maybe even time-worn for some of us, and I pray that it would come alive anew. And may we, as we hear this story, realize that you are the same God and you have the same capabilities. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. We find that Goliath, the Philistine giant, is a seemingly impossible foe. I mean, it's even ridiculous as we try to picture the scene. I mean, he's a mountain of a man. I mean, Shaquille O'Neal, who used to be a center uh, in the NBA, or Yao Ming, who was also a center, would have had to look up, literally look up to Goliath. Listen to how Eugene Peterson describes him in the message. A giant nearly 10 feet tall stepped out from the Philistine line into the open. Goliath came from Gath. He had a bronze helmet on his head and was dressed in armor, 126 pounds of it. He wore bronze shin guards, carried a bronze sword. His spear was like a fence rail. The spear tip alone weighed over 15 pounds. Goliath had played havoc with the emotions of the Israelite army. They couldn't imagine being able to stand against that monster of a man. I mean, Saul was shivering In the shadows, he was as frightened as everyone else. When Goliath trash-talked each day, they were paralyzed with fear. Try to imagine that sense of indignation that this proud giant must have had when he sees David, this teenage boy, coming at him without armor or weapons. (laughs) Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Goliath bellows. With that, he begins to curse David with the names of his gods. Humanly speaking, it's amusing, and yet it's a foolish sight. Trying to intimidate David as he tried to bully or intimidate everyone he saw, Goliath roars, come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the wild animals of the field. In today's parlance, he says, I'm going to make roadkill out of you, buddy. That's what he's talking about. Are there giants striking fear into your life? By giants, I'm talking about fear that causes you maybe to wake up in the middle of the night. By giants, I'm talking about that impossible, at least seemingly impossible situation that makes you feel stuck 
or possibly paralyzes you so that you really don't know how you're going to get past this situation. Maybe your giant is the fear of cancer. Maybe it's the fear of Alzheimer's. Maybe it's the fear of losing your job or economic failure. Maybe it's the fear of death or the fear of the death of someone you love. Perhaps it's the fear of losing control of your children. Maybe it's the fear that we're going to be attacked again by terrorists. Maybe your giant is something that happened to you way in the past, and somehow you just can't let go of it. Maybe it's an addiction or a habit that seems impossible to shake. Do you have a giant? A giant that's trash-talking with you on a daily basis, stoking up the coals of fear in your life? We find as we read further in the story that David has faith in the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. David may be young, but he's had experiences that have prepared him for the very situation in which he finds himself. He's fought off a lion and a bear while taking care of his father's sheep. He knew that it was God who allowed him to overcome those wild animals. God was more than able to defeat that bully giant. Listen to these words from Marshall Shelley, who's an editor of Leadership Magazine, when he talks about traveling in Jordan. While driving through the countryside in small towns, you're impressed by how many Jordanians spontaneously wave at the bus. Some of those who waved were shepherd boys. Usually alone, a boy perhaps 12 or 14 years old would be standing near a flock of goats or sheep, often in utterly desolate terrain. Toward evening, we'd see a boy leading the flock back to the tents where his Bedouin family lives. What does the boy do all day long? Well, he does two things. The Bible provides a clue for that. One such shepherd boy who grew up not far away named David must have spent his time singing songs and throwing rocks. Day after day with the sheep, there would be lots of time to make up songs, which he did, and there were endless supplies of rocks. Interestingly, those, uh, interestingly, those two skills honed by hours of solitary practice while watching his sheep provided crucial in God's plans for him. His musical abilities were put to the service of the king. And the rock throwing? That skill, of course, led David to a stunning victory over Goliath. As I traveled the landscape of the Holy Land, I pondered those rocks. They're everywhere, easy to complain about or overlook. Yet for David, they were the raw material that God used mightily. We find that in courageous fashion, the lad shouts back to the giant. He says that while Goliath may have on armor and weapons, he comes in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel's armies, whom Goliath has defiled. David confidently then states that the Lord will deliver Goliath into his hand. And not only that, but the Philistine army will be defeated, and all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel and that the Lord does not save by spear and sword. Then with that confidence, the lad says to the giant, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Can you imagine how David's brothers must have felt at that point? Oh, no. 
there goes our little brother again, spouting off, and we're going to have to live up to this. Or can you imagine how King Saul must have felt as he stood up to him? Or can you imagine how Goliath must have felt? No one had talked to him like that for a long time. That was a problem. Would you have the courage to speak to your giant with the same kind of bravado and confidence in the Lord? Oh, the situation in your life is different to be sure, but we're talking about the same Lord, you know, the same Lord who is bringing about deliverance every bit as much as he was in David's day. As you face your giant and the seemingly impossible situation that may be yours, do you believe that God has the power to bring you deliverance? Using David, the Lord defeated Goliath that day. I picture David's words as infuriating Goliath, and he starts lumbering toward him. And you can see it happening. You know, it almost feels like there's thunder after each step he takes. As he quickly runs, David then sprints toward him, toward the battle. And as they come together, Goliath feels like this is not going to take long at all. It's going to be like swatting an ant. So he lets down his guard. He thinks in just a few moments, I'm going to be dissecting this kid. As he sprints toward the giant, David reaches into his bag. He pulls out one of those five smooth stones, which he had carefully selected from the brook. And when he was close to the overconfident giant in a way that he had practiced thousands of times, with all of his might, he lets the rock fly. And just at the time that he thought he would be dissecting David, the rock struck Goliath in the middle of the forehead in shocked disbelief. His eyes glass over, and he falls face first to the ground. There's a stunned silence in both camps as David confidently walks up to him, pulls out Goliath's swords, and then with two hands, it was such a big sword, he finishes him off. Suddenly, thunderous cheers come from the Israelite army, who with newfound courage charge after the Philistines who are fleeing in fear. The God of Israel won a great victory that day, defeating the impossible giant. It's one of those building blocks of faith, not only for David, but for the people who would follow after, even to us who hear the story today. While certainly the David and Goliath story is one that we may have learned when we're children, it has special significance for us, no matter how old or how young we are. Now, it's important that for any story like that, we take it in its Old Testament setting. But then it's also important that we bring it to today. As people who place our faith in great King David's greater son, Jesus, we also must look at the rest of the story. David's God, the Lord of Israel, sent Jesus Christ as Emmanuel, that is God with us, to be with us in all the situations with all the giants of our lives. He's the one who has set the example of how we're to navigate life. He's the one, this Jesus, who is willing to die on a cross so that we might be forgiven for our sins, so that we might experience abundant life in the here and now, and that we might have hope as we peer into the uncertainty of the future. The rest of the story also includes 
the revolutionary news that we are now indwelt by the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, for all of us who claim Jesus as Savior and Lord. That same Holy Spirit who was with David that day when he defeated Goliath, who was with the early believers in the early church in the book of Acts, who's been with people and given them courage since the time of the Bible, is present with us right now where we are. That's the rest of the story. Far from the latest self-help fad, this same Holy Spirit can help you and me defeat the giants in our lives. In this wonderful story that we've delved into today, it's never about David and what David has accomplished, even though people would be singing about his exploits in, in just a few days after that. It was always about the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. And dear friends, for you and me, as we battle the giants unique to each one of us, it's never about us. It's never about how many prayers I pray, how many worship services I attend. It's never about how many times or how many hours I log in service. All of those things are important for us to grow in the Christian faith. But it's always about the risen and the reigning Lord who through the power of the indwelling spirit can make us more than conquerors. As you confront the giants of your life, I challenge you to call on great King David's greater son. I can't promise you that there's going to be a spectacular victory in the same manner that David was defeated Goliath, but I can promise you through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit that Christ will bring you strength and he'll bring you deliverance. And let me go a step further. Sometimes we need other Christ followers to be alongside of us, helping to rescue us from the giants that we face. That may come in the form of praying with someone else. After the service today, we have a place over here by the cross where if you'd like to pray with someone, you're welcome to come and do that. It may come by being in a one-to-one relationship with someone, and we can help you be in that relationship. It may come by being in a small group. It also may come by coming to one of the pastors, one of the elders, to a trusted friend, and telling that person about your giant, and asking that person to pray with and for you and be alongside of you. And likewise, as we approach the exciting challenge of Vision 2020, it is God who will help us meet the challenge, that wonderful challenge that is before us. He calls us to come together with the same kind of faith and the same kind of courage as David did when he faced Goliath. In Psalm 27, David would write, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? David was speaking from experience. He knew what it was like to take on the giant. Oh, dear friends, God wants to be your light, your salvation, wants to be your stronghold, driving out fear and defeating the giants of your life. Please join me in prayer. God, thanks for this time that we spent together today. 
Thank you for my sisters and brothers here who are with us now as we leave this place and scatter out into the world. Help us to continue to feel knit together as your community of faith. Help us as we go and have fun together, spend time together in this celebration. And then, God, go with us this week that we might be heralds of hope to the world in which we live. And where there are those who have giants that they're facing, give them the courage to be like David, to depend upon you, maybe with the help of others, to give them what they need, to be their stronghold, their deliverance, their victory. I pray all of these things in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen.